boys and girls, it's time for uh, you to leave and uh, go to Children's Church. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn with me this morning um, to John chapter 10. This is where we'll begin in our studying God's Word word the Lord, I believe, has for us today. I think we all understand that we live in a day and time where crime uh, is exploding exponentially. It appears that maybe that's happening in a lot of the, the larger cities and metropolitan areas, but I think those who uh, work, you know, in, uh, as policemen and all here in, in, in our area would tell you that it's happening here as well. Maybe not to the same level, but uh, when you begin looking at the statistics of what is taking place, you begin to realize that a lot of this crime behind of it is thievery. People wanting something that somebody else has. And so um, it just, it's got to the point where it's just almost, we look at it and think it's ridiculous. You know, here uh, in broad daylight with no fear at all, just attack someone on the sidewalk just to uh, take what they have. Or uh, sometimes there's home invasions right in the middle of the day. Don't worry about it. Just either go in or you know, knock the door down, whatever, just go ahead and take what you want. And of course, there's that mob mentality, I guess, that uh, they, they use as well in a lot of places where a large group will get together. Uh, they may rush into a convenience store or a supermarket or a large retail uh, store and just go in and whatever they can grab and whatever they can hold, they just take it and they just kind of walk out without any fear at all. And what that leaves us is with frustration, fear, maybe even the spirit of futility. What do we do? How can we stop this? And so um, it raises up great concern, obviously, for each and every one of us, just what we see happening. And maybe it's not to the intensity here that it is in other places, but it is coming here. You can count on that. And as, as difficult it is for us to deal with that, what I really want to draw your attention to today is the reality that uh, there has been a thief in this world from the very beginning. Uh, a thief that uh, was there in the Garden of Eden. And he has been working diligently since then. He's not interested in the things of this world. He's not interested in money and material things and all the things that we're talking about that people are willing to murder for or whatever to take. But he's interested in stealing what we call spiritual treasures. You know who I'm talking about, of course. We're talking about Satan. We're talking about his kingdom of darkness who have been involved in stealing spiritual treasures since the days of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
Jesus makes reference to that here in this passage in John chapter 10 and uh, in the very first part of verse 10 where he says the thief comes and he's referring of course to Satan and his kingdom of darkness. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Notice the progression there. He begins by stealing. The purpose of stealing is so that he can have access to bring about killing and ultimately destruction, just completely destroying, wiping out. And that has been his uh, mode of operation since the uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He has come to steal. Now, what I want to draw your attention to today is what I believe is his major focus. What is the one thing above everything else he wants to steal, spiritual treasure, that he wants to steal from both, listen to me, not just believers, but unbelievers as well. And that spiritual treasure is faith and trust in God. Faith and trust in the one true living God. Because he understands that faith is, is the key to everything that is involved in someone having a relationship with and fellowship with and be able to enjoy his goodness and his grace and his greatness in their lives. Now the scripture tells us this is very, very important because if he can use, listen carefully, if he can use his lies and deception, which is all he has, but obviously uh, he's very good at what he does. If he can use his lies and deceptions to undermine our faith and trust in God, our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he can render us spiritually defenseless. Let me explain. The scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that Satan attacks us with flaming arrows. And there's a means in which we are to deal with those attacks that he and the kingdom of darkness bring against us. So let's look at it together. Ephesians chapter 6, if you look at that, and in verse 16, he's talking about spiritual warfare. He's talking about the armor of God. And he says this in verse 16, Paul writes, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith, which with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And so it's very, very essential for you and I to have faith and, and trust in the Lord because it's, it's one of our number one defenses against the attacks of Satan in our lives. So if he can undermine that, if he can cause us to begin to doubt God or doubt the Lord Jesus Christ, then what that does is expose us. We can't pick up the shield of faith. 
we're not even considering the shield of faith. And so my personal life, my marriage, my family, the body of Christ, the community, the country, everything becomes vulnerable and exposed to his flaming arrows toward us. And so it's absolutely essential that we understand the importance of faith. Not only does he do this to render us spiritually defenseless, but also to spiritually drift in our lives. Especially to us who are followers of Christ, who profess Christ as our Lord and Savior. And we have an example of that uh, in the letter that Jesus sent after his resurrection, after his ascension, but he sent a letter through the Apostle John to the church in Ephesus. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me for a moment. Revelation chapter 2. Ephesus was one of those churches that at one time was incredibly on fire for God. And even at the time that, uh, and the Lord Jesus, but even at the time the letter was sent, they were very active. I mean, they were very active. They were doctrinally sound and and uh, so uh, they were very dutiful in everything they were doing for the Lord. And so he commends them for it. Now listen to this. I'm going to begin reading in verse 2, but listen carefully what he says. Jesus says in this letter through John, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they're not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance, and you have endured for my name's sake, and have not grown weary. And so he commends them. On the surface, this church looked like, wow, if I'm moving to a new area, and I get a hold of their bulletin, or I go on their website, and I see everything going on, and say, hey, that's where I want to go. But then he says this, verses 4 and 5. But I have this against you, that you've left. You've drifted away from your first love. Can I word it this way? You don't love me the way you used to love me. The fire is not there. The excitement is not there. The spiritual energy is no longer there. Oh, did they love him? Yes. Were they there going through the motions? Yes. But they had got to the point that they were like an ink pen with no ink. That they were like an oil lamp that had no oil. They had all the functional parts, but something was missing. Something great was missing. And he says, therefore, verse 5, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless... There are many church-going people and churches all across this land that are exactly right there 
where they were in Ephesus at that time. If you were to ask them, do you love the Lord? Yes. Are they faithful and quote-unquote coming to church? Which is an odd phrase, let's be honest. We are the church. <laughs> but we've been saying that for so long, we just keep on saying it, right? We are the church. But with that understanding yet. So they, you ask them, do you love the Lord? Yes. Are you involved? Yes. Maybe they filled out a church survey. Something was missing. They lost the fire. At one time, they had a, a hunger and a, a thirst for the word of God. By that, I mean not just hear it, but heed it. And in time, they learned a, a new truth. Uh, it's like finding a diamond, you know, just excitement. When the lights come on, say, wow, now I understand that. So, and when they come, they were so enthusiastic, so anticipating worship and the presence of the Lord. And now it's just going through the motions. This is what happens. When Satan is successful with his lies, with his deception, to undermine our faith and our trust in the Lord. I want to challenge you this morning to evaluate where you are. Has he been successful in your life? To undermine your faith in God. Now, I think it's important, I mentioned this on Wednesday night in our, our study of the letters that uh, Paul sent to the churches in Galatia. We're talking about belief, we're talking about faith. And I think it's important we understand that there, particularly in this day and time, not scripturally, whenever you see the word believe in scripture, it's talking about trust. It's talking about real faith. We don't really use that word at that depth in most of our conversations. So let me just kind of give you an example how you can, you can believe but not trust. There was a man. And he loved to walk the tight rope. And so in a major city, city he had about 200 feet high a tight rope placed for him to walk on cross. Had a huge crowd down there and, and and so using a pole to balance himself, he just easily just you know, just walked that type from one side to the other. 200 feet, nothing but asphalt concrete under him. And people were impressed with that. But not as much as when the second time he did it, he had his son on his shoulders. And he just walked that tightrope. And when he got to the other end, boy, <laughs> they, they were cheering, they were whistling, they were saying, wow, this is awesome. So he looked down and said, hey, do you think I can do it again? They said, yes. He says, do you trust me? They said, yes. He said, who's going to ride my shoulder this time? Because if you're a pin drop, 
they just looked at him in shock. And then slowly walked away. Say, that's, that's where a lot of followers of Christ are. We, we read all these incredible stories in here of, of faith. Could be Abraham, could be Moses. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, David. I mean, you know, there's this one incredible story after another in Scripture of faith and trust in God. And so we read those, we share those, we talk about, do you believe? Yes, 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 I believe. But we're not willing to trust him in our own life. So the next question is this. Do we understand just how serious faith, trust really is? I would think you do, but I want to make sure, just to remind you of a a couple of passages of Scripture. You might want to write these down and just, just to remind you of them. You know them, you've heard them, such as in Hebrews chapter 11 and, and in verse 6. How many times have you had uh, Bible studies on this verse? And without faith, and without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. How about Matthew? In the book of Matthew and in Matthew chapter um, 14, I believe. I mean, yeah, Matthew chapter 9 in verse 29. Notice what it says. Two men had come, they were blind, they were seeking the healing of the Lord. And so the Lord says to them, it says he touched their eyes and said, it shall be done to you according to your what? Faith. You see, faith is part of every facet of our encounter, our relationship, everything about our connection with the Lord God of heaven and earth. Faith. Trust. Not just believing. We can believe a lot of things intellectually. We're talking about trusting him. We're talking about having faith in him. And so in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, just one more verse before we move on, it says that, that the righteous will live by faith. So, if you're evaluating yourself even right now, and you're thinking, you know what? Satan's had some victories in my life. I'm struggling at times to actually trust him. To have that faith in my life. How do I restore it? How do I revive it? How can I rejuvenate trust and faith in God? I want to give you three things. And even though I'm separating these three things out, they all are part of First of all, you got to begin with the right spiritual object. The right spiritual object. Look with me in Romans chapter 10 and in verse 11. 
makes this simple but incredibly important statement. He says, for the scripture says, whoever believes, again, we're talking about biblically that word means actually trust God, actually put your faith. He says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Now, the key words I want to draw your attention to is in him. He who believes, he who is willing to trust in him, trust God. Now, why am I driving that point home? Simply because this, how many times you have heard someone say, you just got to have faith. Only believe. I have a question with that. Faith in what? <laughs> Believe in what? Why? Because our faith is no greater than the object of our faith. And so, uh, the object of our faith. So, the problem is that we end up, are you listening? Say amen. We end up putting faith in faith. Can I tell you something about faith? Just by itself, it has no power. Faith alone, just believing, has no power to change anything, to do anything, because the power of faith is in the object of the faith and what Paul is saying is, it's got to be in him. It's got to be in God. And so many people today are putting faith in faith and can't understand why nothing is happening really in their life spiritually. Now look, with, look with me in the Gospel of Mark. I, I'm going to read, this is Mark chapter 11. And uh, I want to read verse 23 and 24. They will only have, in a minute, verse 22 up. But I want to, first of all, draw your attention to an incredible promise. That's found in verses 23 and 24. I want to look at the promise first. Listen to what it says. It's incredible. Says, truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. What incredible promise. But the key to those promises is the prerequisite. What's the prerequisite? Verse 22, right before he made these promises, what did Jesus say? And Jesus answered saying to them, have faith in Prerequisite is the key 
to not only understanding the promises, but to actually experience the promises in our life. It's not faith in faith. It's faith in the Lord God of heaven and earth. Faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So you want to restore, you want to renew, you want to rejuvenate your faith. It, this is where it begins, making sure your focus, your trust in the right spiritual object, which is the Lord God and Him alone. And there's the second thing. Not only the right spiritual object, but the right spiritual orders. What do I mean by that? Well, again, Romans chapter 10. Let's go back there. This time, look with me in verse 17. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So where does faith come from? It comes from hearing. In other words, not only the right spiritual object, God, but it comes from hearing from God. This is not a guessing game. Is we need to hear from God. That's what he's saying. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. We need to hear from him. He needs to be speaking to us in our lives. So, uh, as we look at this, I want you to see that phrase, Faith comes. Would you underline that phrase if you got your Bibles or you're taking notes? Just put that in, in quotation. Faith comes. What does that mean? Well, that means you can't make it up. We, listen to, we do not have the capacity in our humanness to create faith. You can't muster it up. You can't just say one day, I'm going to, I'm going to have more faith. And it just appears. <laughs> no, faith comes. Where does it come from? It comes from God. Your ability to trust God comes from God. Let me show you this. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Now remember, all of this fits together. We're just breaking it down into parts. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Paul begins and he says this, For to you, writing to the believers there in Philippi, for to you it has been granted, it has been given for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. What was given? The ability to believe in Christ. Power faith. By grace, Ephesians 2.8, for by grace we're saved through what? 
faith, which is not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, faith comes when our focus is on the right spiritual object, the Lord, and we hear from the Lord. And when he speaks to us, he will give us the ability to trust him. If we have the want to in our heart to do what God wants us to do, he will give you the faith to do it. So here's the question then. How does God speak to us? Well, basically two ways. It says here that in Romans 10, 17, hearing from the word of Christ. Now, that word, word, is, could be one of two words in the Greek. One could be logos. This is the logos, right? This is God's word to us. This is his heart to us. This is his love letter to us. This is the logos, the infallible, inspired, authoritative word of God to us. He speaks to us through his word. That's why we need to read it, why we need to study it, why we have as part of our worship getting into, quote, unquote, the word, the logos, which is what we're doing now. But there's another word, as many of you know, that's also translated word in English, but the Greek word is rhema. Now, the word rhema means an utterance or to speak out. How does God do that? He does that through the Spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit. So he uses the Scripture, the Logos, and then not only the Scripture, but the Spirit of the Lord to speak to us his heart, his mind, his will to us. The question is, do we have ears to hear? Now, this word rhema is fascinating because you may be experiencing that right now. I don't know. Because what the Spirit of the Lord does is speak words of encouragement to us. For instance, you know, when we're singing that song, uh, The Goodness of God. Now, I don't know about you, but that speaks to me, all right? And I was, I was being encouraged by that song. What was that? The spirit of the living God was encouraging me. Or that when he's alive, and because he's alive, we have forgiveness. And all of these things can happen in our lives. Could be that even today, while we're in the word, some lights come on. You know what? No wonder I'm so vulnerable to Satan's attack. He's, he's been able to undermine my faith and trust in my Lord. 
you love the Lord, yes, but he's been able to undermine that. And you realize for the first time why you're vulnerable, why we are vulnerable. What's that? That's a rhema. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to your heart. How many of you have ever been under conviction? Don't raise your hand. It's called a rhema. The Spirit of the Lord speaking to your heart, speaking to your mind, speaking to your soul, speaking to your spirit. God's talking. He's wanting to know if we're listening, if we have ears to hear his orders concerning his will for your life. And so you see, faith is not only having the right spiritual object, the Lord God, but the right spiritual orders we're hearing from God, and then we respond. So let me tell you why this is important as well, because I think you've heard this before, where you're just told, well, you just name it and claim it. Have you heard that? Name it and claim it. Now, what's wrong with that instruction? That's putting faith in faith. Here's the way it should be. Are you listening? Say amen. God said it. Believe it and receive it. That's the way it should be. God has spoken to your heart. He's used the scripture. He's used the logos to speak a rhema, a word into your heart. It could be truth in a song. It could be what we're studying. It could come during a devotional time. You might be listening to the radio, going down the road, and some powerful song or someone sharing the word. Uh, it could be in a Sunday. It doesn't matter. When God speaks a rhema through the logos in your heart, says, this is my will for you. When he speaks, you believe it and you can receive it. That's the way faith works. So it not only involves the right spiritual object and the right spiritual orders, but it involves the right spiritual obedience. John chapter 14. Verses 21 and 23. All of these fit together. I've just separated them out. But in reality, they cannot be separated. The right spiritual object, the right spiritual orders, and the right spiritual obedience is the essence of growing in trust and faith in God. So here's what he says, verse 21, Jesus talking. He says, he who has my commandments, what I have spoken to you. By the way, let me just back up just a second because I just thought of it. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, when it says we yeah, by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, the word for word there is not logos, it is rhema. 
caring from the Lord. And here he says this. So important. He who has my commandments, I, I have spoken. And keeps them. <laughs> What's that mean? I mean, you obey. You totally obey. He who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. Now, when he says keeps him, he's talking about true obedience. By true obedience, I mean not partial obedience. In fact, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as partially obedience. Either we do or we don't. We tell our children to do something, they either do or they don't. I, I went purposely looking at you. When the Lord told Naaman, I love to use him as illustration, but when the Lord told Naaman, captain of the Syrian army who was dying with leprosy, when he told Naaman through the prophet Elisha, go to the river Jordan and dip seven times and you will be completely healed, he meant no other river but the Jordan River and no number of times but seven. He didn't want to do that. Naaman didn't want to do that. He wanted to go to something like the Euphrates River or the Tyrus River or some, some other river. He thought, man, they're beautiful. They're big. They're going, this dirty river, Jordan. Yeah, Lord said, go to Jordan. Well, he could have gone to any other river and he'd have died of leprosy, right? So he goes to the river Jordan. He goes down into the water. So good. So far, so good, right? And he dipped six times. He says, I've had enough. I'm, I'm coming out. And he dies of leprosy. Why? Because there's no such thing as partially sort of obeying. Either we do or we don't. Now, thank the Lord as we know the story. He went to Jordan dipped seven times and his skin was like that of a baby. Why? He obeyed the Lord. Here's what happens. He says in that verse, and I will disclose myself to him. Can I tell you how faith works? One step at a time. I know, I mean, we're part of AAA, all right? We love to get those trip ticks. You know what I'm talking about? Lays out the whole trip, you know, here, there, you know. Love those things. I know where I'm going. I know everything on the way of the path that is going. I'm ready to go. And God says, uh, I'm, I do this differently. I do it one step at a time. I will light your path. That's what the Lord says. I will light your path. So when you hear from me the right object and you get my orders to take this step, when you take that step, then I'll shed light for the next step. It's the way he works. If I take that step, he sheds light for the next step. He doesn't give us a trip tip. 
for our lives. If I don't take that step, I don't have light for the next step. Why? Because the Lord, without faith, it's impossible to please the Lord. Again, Hebrews 11, 6. Then he says this in verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. And my father will love him. And he will come to him and make our abode with him. What does that mean? Instead of Jesus, the Lord being on the peripheral of your life, that's the only place he is. Some of you may be there. He's not, he's just on the peripheral. He's kind of staying in touch. When we have, we focus on the right spiritual object, the right spiritual orders, the right spiritual obedience. He's all in your life. I make my abode with you. That's where the goodness of God is experienced. That's where the grace of God is experienced. That's where the greatness of God is experienced. But, Right, spiritual object, the Lord, the Lord alone, not faith, but it's faith in the Lord. The right spiritual orders, what He is speaking into your life through the Logos, speaking in your heart, your soul, your mind, your spirit with the Rhema. And when we fully obey, that's when your faith will grow. If you're sitting here today and you realize, wow, Satan's done a number on me. Didn't even realize it. But through his lies, through his deception, he's undermined my trust. Oh, I can declare, I believe, I believe, I believe, but I'm not, I'm not, be honest with you, I'm not trusting him. You want to restore that faith, that trust, revive it, rejuvenate it. Focus your heart and mind. The right object is the Lord. Nothing else. The right orders, what he says. That last song we sung, make room. <laughs> make room. This is where I surrender. Make room. You surrender by faith. Trust. And you're making room for him to get into your life, not just on the surface, with the depth of his goodness and his grace and his greatness. Father God, oh Lord, help us. We know every day we're in this spiritual battle. We know the flaming arrows are coming. And 
A lot of us right now, we are just spiritually defenseless. We're spiritually drifting, we're in, we're out. So Lord, in the name of Christ, help us to hear from you. And when you speak, to believe it so we can receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. And may the favor of God be on your life today. I've seen my walk away so many questions.